You're listening to the Drums TV Talks. I'm Hannah Bowler. And I'm John McCarthy. In this series, we're going to explore all the new ways that brands can advertise on TV. From the classic ad break to the weirdest branded partnerships you could possibly imagine. We'll be speaking to the top TV exec, media owners and ad tech firms helping to bring about the future of TV. Thanks for listening. Hello, John McCarthy. Welcome back to Series 2 of TV Talks. It's lovely to be back with you, Hannah. Um, We got renewed. and Now we know how so many successful TV shows feel. And isn't that ironic? Well, a lot has happened since our last series. I think we wrapped up in May. Um, And in that time, it's been some some spicy little news trickled through the ad industry. It's been a good time to be responsible for covering these events. What was your... um, biggest and most jazziest piece of TV ad news that you've kind of covered in this little period, a little wee break. For years and years, I've always had your ad tech companies emailing me opinion pieces and comments about how Netflix will one day accept ads. And then it was like the vultures pecking at the door, wanting the flesh, the delicious flesh of unmonetized Netflix and now that day has come and Netflix decided to go play it safe, go for family-friendly face and build its ad product with Microsoft. Yeah, to be fair, I was not expecting Microsoft. But then as soon as the news happened that it was them, it made the most amount of sense. So now it's like you just weren't really oversighting Microsoft coming in from the side. Absolutely. Um, They needed to go over face people knew um, so they could trust that their data will not be misused. Um, So much harder for Netflix to introduce ads than it is for someone to launch with them. So uh, extra scrutiny is going to be there and we will be among those doing it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. One to watch, I think. Um, We should probably hear a bit more soon, did they say? Towards the back end of the year, there might be a bit more bit more flesh to the bones. So we'll be following that. Um, Another thing that I feel like, I mean, recently just happened from when this podcast will go out is that Big Brother is coming back and it's going to ITV, which never would have thought after it's done the rounds at Channel 5 and Channel 4. How do you feel, John? Are you excited? Were you a Big Brother fan? No, in the past, I've been told off for watching people too closely. So um it's just not something I ever connected with. But um, it truly has been around the blocks. It's been it's been on almost every UK commercial channel you can name. And its return to ITV is a last last gasp, I would say. Um, and it actually feels like a good fit. Uh, ITV is launching its subscription service later this year, ITVX, and it needs lots of content that people will spend a lot of time with. And... Well, Big Brother seems like the thing that people could spend the most time with at all. Like, and I know that you, people just used to watch other people sleep. Maybe that was an extra form of ASMR. Now, we, we don't know if we'll uh, be able to watch that much. But um, yeah, for every hour you've got having someone watching someone in bed, you've got a lot of ads that can run alongside that and a lot of sponsorships that can go as well. Um, like a mattress brand or an alarm clock brand or a nice little nightlight brand. There's a brand for everything, Hannah. A brand for everything. Yeah, do you think they're just going to do the Love Island and just like commercial every single little bit that they can physically get? 
Yeah, and I think they've also found a really good way of sanitising the, the the formats and the people. Um, I, I watched Love Island this year for the first time ever, um, uh, and it was quite a fascinating thing. It was it was almost entirely drama free. Um, which I thought it would be filled with drama, but honestly, it was just like a relaxing time watching people just kind of either being in love or pretending to be in love. And that's a bigger question of what is love. And <laughs> this is a different podcast, but um, yeah, I think we're going to be spending a lot of time keeping an eye on Big Brother, and there'll be some surprises coming down the line there too. It sounds like you just got really existential about Love Island, which I think is a new development. Maybe that's the podcast we should be doing. Um, lessons so. from Ekinsur. I learned a lot from Ekinsur. Um, she was just absolutely magnificent. And moving swiftly on from Love Island, um, this week's podcast, uh, we're going to be mainly focusing on kind of branded content and brand entertainment. It's kind of one of those things that's always it's been around for like decades or a decade, decades, I'm not sure if you can say that. Um, but it's always kind of remained on the fringes and never quite hit the mainstream. Or, or it has, but it's never really had like prime time slots or kind of moved away from digital. Yeah, well, maybe in recent decades, uh, I, I'm always thinking of like the, the 1950s when it was like the Doc Harvey cigarette hour. You know, and all those serialized things that were basically just excuses to talk about cigarettes. But um, that's gone a bit before you were born and just slightly after I was born, I suppose. Um, but in recent history, yeah, people can smell a brand a hundred miles away and they know to avoid. But not always, not always. Uh, sometimes a brand strikes it right. And in the case of Lego Masters, that happened. Yeah, so we kind of took a deep dive uh, into Lego Masters, which is like a format that started with Channel 4. It's a Ban & Jay kind of owned format. And it started with Channel 4, but it's kind of started to spin all out over the world. And in the US, Fox picked it up and they got Arrested Development's uh, comedian Will Arnett to front it. And also Brad Pitt is executive producer, random. Uh, so the show's done really well, but it's kind of one of the first kind of branded entertainment formats, I guess, that has kind of managed to get picked up for multiple series, spread all over the world, and also get primetime slots, like primetime Fox slot. Um, so we kind of took a deep dive into that to see how the format kind of worked and that editorial process that I think is really crucial to making good branded entertainment, balancing all brand producer and broadcaster. So in the podcast, I chatted to Lucas Green, who's Global Head of Content Operations uh, at Ban & Jay. So I'll leave it to him to explain more and chat to you next week, John. Welcome back to Series 2. Welcome back and farewell. But obviously, like Lego Masters is this crazy mega hit that has only been around like a few years, but I feel like just kind of came on the market and everyone loves it. And it's in ridiculous amounts of territories. How many territories is it on now? So Lego Masters is now in 18 different territories. So it, it was born in the UK on Channel 4. But since then, it's spread all around the world and taken a, 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 on a new life of its own all around the world. So it's become, in quite a short space of time, a, a truly global hit right across all different territories from the UK to the US to the Nordics. 
uh, and it's even launching in China and South Korea as well as uh, New Zealand this year. So it, it's done terrifically well. I was going to say the the thing that really drew it for me, I must say, is when Will Arnett joined in the US, and I just think he's such a good get, and like that just really propelled the show, I guess, to a lot of other a lot of other markets. Big Arrested Development fan over here. No, he's very good. And he's, of course, also the voice of Lego Batman, which is a great tie-in mm. and uh, gives him a real relevance to the show. And I think you've absolutely hit the nail on the head that I think every different market has its way of of scaling a show like this up and down. And I think it's the fact that it can, it can scale up in that way. Uh, to break the American market, you do need big names and the fact that um, not just Will in front of the camera, but Brad Pitt, you know, it was involved as a producer behind the scenes, really helped, you know, drive this into a, a supersized format that began on Channel 4, but has absolutely blown up. And I think a lot of credit there to Karen Smith and the team at Tuesday's Child, who first produced the show and came up with the idea in the UK with Channel 4, and then worked with Simon Cox at Banerjee Wrights, who then picked up the show for the, the distribution of the format and the tape out, outside of the UK. And together, Karen and, and the team at Endemol Shine in North America put this brilliant scheme of producers and, and on-screen talent together to produce it at such a high scale. And I think that sets such a brilliant benchmark, which has then gone on from strength to strength. And even in Australia, where it's it scaled up in a very different way, but creatively is fantastic. And someone who's not such a, a global superstar as Will Annette, but Hamish Blake, he's one of the best comedians in Australia hosting it there. Uh, it was really taking it to new heights. Just on, on the kind of the evolution in the beginning when it kind of grew from Tuesday's Child and Channel 4. In that initial inception, like, where did Lego come on in this journey? Like, just how did it evolve? And, and at what point was Lego kind of then involved in the process? Do you have any oversight of that? Yeah, I mean, pretty important from uh, early days. You know, if you're going to do a show with a competitive brick building, there is only one market leader in that space, and it's absolutely Lego. There's no question about which brand you want to be associated with. And I think what really allowed it to break through was that partnership with Lego. They are they're approached a lot. They you know have lots of different opportunities. They produce their own content in lots of different fields from the, the movies, the whole Lego universe. There's, they have lots of opportunities. And I think it was the vision of of Karen and Tuesday's Child and Channel Four that persuaded them to come on board. And I think without Lego, there would be no Lego Masters. But I think. Um, it, it's important to say that the format is what also convinced them that this would be executed in the right way and absolutely in line with Lego's brand values. And I think that's a real key lesson for any producer trying to uh, deliver branded content is, is ultimately recognizing the values of a brand like Lego and making sure that they're in line and that even if the program is restricted and the number of visual and, uh, and references and, and name checks for Lego as a brand, for example, you're not allowed to show the actual toys that are on sale. You can't show Lego boxes, Lego set, but you know the, the Lego is still clearly named and identifiable. So outside of those regulations, I think what is the real success to giving it value as, as the brand is the reaffirmation of all of those values. You know, Lego is about learning through play. It's a family brand. It's making sure that you drive those values home as well as the number of limited commercial references. You have to basically strip back so it doesn't feel like any advertising is, in, is at play. So it's just the Lego brand, the name of the brand, and then the bricks themselves, and then everything else is, is stripped from it. Essentially. Yeah, you're allowed a certain number of um, okay. commercial references, depending on the regulator, depending on the territory. So you have to work in line with that. But absolutely what you can do, even without the number of, you know, the, the visual references, 
you can absolutely all of the the creative beats of the show and the tone of the show and the sense of humor and the playfulness and the creativity and the fact that it's very authentic it, it's very clear that there's a lot of popular engineering in lego masters so that that for lego as a brand shows that it's it's for boys and girls it's for family it's it's good for it, it's okay to be an adult fan of lego and affol as they call it so it's absolutely driving home those core principles of Lego, even if it's not just a matter of how many seconds you can get a logo on screen. I didn't know that adult fans of Lego were called, what did you call them? AFOLs, A-F-O-L, adult fan of Lego. And actually it's a huge market. And if you go into any Lego store or any toy shop, you'll see that there, there are all, almost as many sets now aimed at uh, big boys and girls uh, like me. Um, I've even got, I've got one down here somewhere. And basically it, a lot of it came through the pandemic. So in the pandemic, a lot of parents were at home uh, playing with their kids, had a lot more time to play, time on their hands, couldn't leave the house. And obviously, attention uh, on Lego went up. And actually, it hasn't really dropped off. And I think it's given adults and parents and non-parents permission to be nostalgic and play with their Lego kits. And I think that the, the wide range of, of builds and creative uses of your imagination has really uh, been emphasized by the show and the fact that the builds are so spectacular. And I think that's another key element to Lego Masters success. And, and like any brand, it has to be a really high quality. So the search for brilliant builders and, and potential brick masters of the future, we set the bar incredibly high, you know, and you want those builds to be spectacular and to be funny uh, and, and to really be awe-inspiring for, for children and adults alike. And I think you know, the, the, the final strand of it is that it's, it's about story, you know, and we all love stories. And whether you're working in drama or unscripted or whether you're designing Lego sets, it's about creating stories. And we're always looking in the judging for great use of story. You know, what's it's not just a spectacular build or a smash or a, a drone. It, it's having that minor detail. And that's what helps create that long form programming beyond just a, a, an advertising campaign. It's a story within each narrative arc. And I think that's really important. I mean, they are really awe-inspiring. Like, I can't even, like, wrap my head around some of those builds. I wanted to ask you about the kind of editorial process with Lego because, I mean, I watched a documentary, God, a few years ago where it was all about Lego and they had, like, shutters on all their windows. Like, it was very... It was part of the whole thing of it was, like, the secrecy behind Lego. And I wondered, how, like, how involved are they in that editorial process? Are they quite protective? How how does that relationship kind of work with them? I have to say Lego are a great partner. Uh, and I think that, you know, being in 18 territories around the world wouldn't be possible without their collaboration. And they are a great collaborator. In fact, uh, quite recently, back in, in May, we went to Billund, which is the global headquarters of, of Lego. And we sat down with them for a couple of days and... And we talked and we visited their, uh, their design center and they are very welcoming. It's a, it's a very special brand. It's a very special company. Uh, it started out as a, a family family company. And there's a great story about how when a son of the, the, the man who originally founded Lego was in the family business and he tried to save some money on using fewer coats of lacquer on the wooden toys they used to produce. They used to produce wooden toys before Lego. And his father made his, his little boy, who was just trying to help, go back and apply uh, the extra lacquer of paint to the toys. And he said, this, this helped him learn the lesson that only the best is good enough. And everywhere you go at Lego headquarters in Denmark, you see this sign, which is only the best is good enough. 
And I think um, that's one, just one of the core brand values that they they live by. It's, you know, when it comes to children's toys, you have to really strive for the best. And that's quite inspiring. And when you go to Lego headquarters and you meet with them, you, you get this amazing enthusiasm for the brand uh, from everyone who's there. And we didn't find that they were particularly secretive. They, they are one of the most reputable brands in the world. And that doesn't happen by accident. So I think they... They very much protect their brand. You know, their integrity is very important to them. And we work very closely with them on, on sponsors for the show. So who will sit in the ad breaks around the show? And um, we work to make we work with our clients and our broadcaster to make sure that those are, you know, approved and not controversial. And I think that's all coming from a good place when you are producing toy, uh, you know, and you're you're targeting, you know, families and co-family viewing. It's important to them that their brand is uh, maintained to integrity. So we, we, we're absolutely on board with that. In terms of the editorial process, um, again, our producers drive the show, but it's in collaboration with Lego. Um, it, it, we obviously always have to be in line with local regulations and uh, maintaining that editorial control of the show. But I think without Lego's involvement and working with the, the talent and the designers and the judges who all come from a Lego background, this show wouldn't be possible. So in many ways, it's a, it's a perfect example of how the production companies and the brand can work together for this common goal, which is excellence and making sure that when, when it comes to producing you know, a family entertainment a competitive reality show, only the best is good enough. And whether you're making Lego or whether you're making content, that's a great value to be driven by. Lucas, that is a great segment into what very I wanted to move you seamlessly into was actually away from Lego Masters. And just to talk about that, that, that crux, which is like brands meets broadcasters, meet producers, and, and what the, those three can like do together in the and and I guess Lego Masters is kind of like the holy grail, I guess, for for a kind of branded content entertainment kind of proposition what where is that space at the moment what's the kind of current appetite you're seeing from from broadcasters for this type of format from a brand so hannah i think you're absolutely right it is the holy grail and i wish we had more lego masters in our catalog we have got other brands such as as MasterChef and big brother and survivor which are also brands and actually i think that is part of the the secret to the success which is that a show like lego masters traveling to 18 different territories around the world, 18 different local versions and on air and even more, it doesn't happen overnight. And I think it is knowing how to build and sustain those long form narratives in the shows. It's no coincidence that we produce MasterChef. And again, another example of a big scale competition, which is rooted in authenticity and high quality. It's not trashy. It's not cheap. It's not about conflict. It's about craft and excellence and it's a show that you can watch i mean i've got two kids of my own who are uh, five and eight and they love both lego masters and masterchef completely different subject matters and they're both big brands but they but they love them both and i think that authenticity is is crucial to it i think that's where we are now and we want to strive for more of those and i'm sure everyone wishes they had a lego masters in their portfolio but it's been a long journey for everyone uh, who works in branded content and i think my career has also been punctuated by attempts to make this work and i remember back in 2008 we made 
Orange Unsigned Act for Channel 4, which was a, a, a band competition on, on T4 that was sponsored by Orange and Sony Ericsson. And that was a that was a great um, couple of series that we did. It was an antithesis to X Factor. It was about real music. It was about authenticity and it did a good job for those brands. But it was still you know, in a T4 slot. It was in a Sunday morning slot. It wasn't ITV at seven o'clock on a Saturday night. And, and that's tough. It's tough to break into that area. I, I worked with Sainsbury's and we did a show called What's Cooking with, with Sainsbury's and their, their creative agency. And that was, again, a, a really big show that we did. We did 65 daily episodes on Channel 4, well-funded. We built a live studio and produced a daily cooking show for Channel 4 that was uh, almost fully funded by Sainsbury's. But again... You know, it it was it was considered a success. It won a campaign branded content of the year awards, but it just did one season because mm. the brand often says, "Well, that was a great campaign. Next year we're going to do a different campaign. We're going to sponsor the Paralympics, which is great." But you know, if you want to create content which has longevity and travels to other markets, like Lego Masters does. It's often a, a two or three year process. You have to build an audience over time. And again, there's a great lesson from Lego Masters that it did two seasons in the UK and then it went off air, but it still continued to grow because it was supersized by the US, by Australia. It spread across Europe. Um, we raised the bar even higher, added more creative elements, uh, worked with Tuesday's Child, worked with Lego, worked with the former owners, distributed it. And it was a, this is a long-term project. And, I, and that's the encouragement that I would give to everyone who's trying to get branded content off the ground. You know, if at first you don't succeed, you get your Sainsbury's show, you get your Orange Unsigned show off the ground, you need to, you need to keep pushing and it takes a long time to get there. We're, we're also in that process with, with Changing Rooms. You know, Changing Rooms brought that back to Channel 4 and partnered with Dulux. Again, a very good editorially justified integration. It makes absolute mm. sense to make changing rooms with Dulux. It's totally seamless into the show. It's a great mixing of, of the brands and, and the messaging, which is, you know, there's an opportunity there to create some entertainment, but also subtly integrate the messaging. So make sure that your values coalesce. Make sure that you integrate the brand into the show. I mean, the the worst mistake you can make if you're trying to make branded content, I think, is trying to fit a square peg into a round hole. So if you say, we've got a great idea for a TV format, Channel 4 or ITV or whoever, love it. Can we find somebody to pay for it? Let's go out and find a brand who will want to pay for it. Well, it's a non-starter because that brand and that chief marketing officer will probably say, well, you just want us to pay for your show and your idea. You need to develop the show from the ground up and you need to make sure that as you're developing a great format, and it's always got to have a brilliant format behind it, not just a brand, a great idea. You've got to make sure that you're integrating the values of that brand from the very beginning so that at every step through that narrative, it's again reinforcing those brand values. And that's where you get the added value for the client. And, and at what point are these kind of conversations happening in terms of the development process for, for an indie, say, that's coming up with it? the idea with the format are brands ever like approaching producers like which way around are we doing things at the moment are brands kind of ever going to you guys and saying can you can you build me at lego masters can you build me at this or is it still are we still at the point that the producers are in the development stage early on saying this could work for a for a brand let's go out nothing is really off limits there is no set way of doing it i think people come at it from different approaches I think you've got creative agency pitching ideas to their clients. You've got TV production companies developing ideas going 
to a channel first, but also speaking to, to brands through their branded content divisions. Personally, I feel that in the TV production community, we have a huge amount to offer. And I wish that sometimes those big brands would pick up the phone and come to us because I think with the track record of shows like Lego Masters and Changing Rooms, it's absolutely, we know how to create that long form content, bring together the talent, do it on tariff. I mean, let's not forget that the tariffs for for TV production and for ad campaigns uh, are often very different. So I think we know how to do it cost effectively, bring in the talent, those commissioner relationships. And so I think our, our doors are always open and our phone is always on. I think a good example of a recent case study was um, Electric Robin, who are part of Banerjee UK. They they produced beer masters um, for Amazon. So it was a, a beer brewing competition, clearly something that a lot of people did in lockdown. Also, uh, another area of craft that people are uh, really into, it reflects what people are doing at home. And they work with AB InBev to you know, do a, that, that branded content. It was done very subtly. So it wasn't crowbarred in, they work with with the client and they work with Amazon. And actually the end result was a really seamless integration hosted by James Blunt. So more good talent attached. And it was and it was cheeky and it was funny and it was done with a sense of humor, but also really loved by the client and by all of those craft brewery fans out there loving the show and loving the beer. I, I had not heard of that at all, but Fronted by James Blunt, did you say? Yeah, check it out. It's called Beer Masters and it's on that Amazon Prime. hilarious. <laughs> okay, that sounds It's a, re- it's a really good. good craft brewery uh, competitive reality show. And yeah, all done in uh, in partnership with AB InBev, who own everything from Camden Hells to Stella Artois. I feel so unprepped that I did not know that and affronted by the man himself. That's great. Well, well, there you go. And he does <laughs> it in classic James Blunt. You know, uh, anyone who follows him on Twitter know... He's absolutely hilarious and tongue-in-cheek and definitely worth a watch. I have to add as well, um, Changing Rooms, I was so pleased that you guys brought that back. I was a big fan. That was such a good show. And I really enjoyed just seeing Lawrence Wedden Bowen just now, like he's been off screen for so long. So that was a good one. Yeah, we were super proud of that. And I think that won a um, a campaign award uh, this year. So it was really great credits to the the, the team at Shine and the, the creative agency who worked on, on that alongside Dulux and Channel 4. So yeah, a kudos to them. So uh, you've, you've kind of littered it throughout the podcast already, but just kind of wrap and summarize what kind of advice you might have for marketers. You kind of want to explore this space. Um, that, I think that'd be a really nice way to kind of end. So... I think looking back, the, the the main summary points for me are, I think, you know, put the values first. Absolutely. You, you have to work within the regulations that are in your market. So you've got to have those in mind. But I think the way, the way to tackle that is build your TV format around the values of the client. And that is the way to absolutely add value. Don't underestimate the, you know, the, the decades of experience that TV formatters and producers have learned in terms of building the story. It's about the narrative, how you sustain an audience, how you get them to come back wanting more, how you get them to binge watch your series uh, if it's got a, a, a narrative arc, how to integrate the brand in a, in a clever and smart way. I think looking to the future, we'll increasingly see interactivity and, 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 and shoppable ways to interact with the content. So for example, the Beer Masters format that we produce with Electric Robin for Amazon, at the end of the show, you can actually click through and buy some of the beer that you've seen in the shows. That's a great way to do um, that direct call to action. 
So look to the future, be innovative. It's got to have an equal amount of brilliant format as well as a great brand behind it. So you need both. It can't be format-led or brand-led. You have to do it in partnership. And the sooner you have those conversations at the start and make sure that you're you're collaborating the better. Because if you leave it until you know, you're about to start shooting the show in six weeks' time, it's too late. It's too late to integrate properly and truly and authentically. So th- those would be my top tips. And of course, you know, we are Banerjee. We are, you know, we have the largest active catalog of TV formats around the world. And we've got a very healthy uh, stable of, of shows and formats, past, present and future that we can absolutely work with. And I think no matter what the brand is, we've absolutely got a great tried and tested format around the world that can um, then can partner with some of these brilliant brands. So um, look forward to many more years of it, more years of success for Lego Masters, but also the next generation. Yeah. And, and on that next generation point, are you seeing any like kind of formats kind of brewing at the moment that you've kind of got your eye on or you're, you're thinking that they're ready to explode soon? Well, I think one of the one of the lessons for us from Lego Masters is popularity of co-family viewing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I've got little kids. They, they watch a lot of YouTube. They want to watch Lego building videos. They want to watch lots of different things on YouTube. But actually we can watch a show like Lego Masters together as a family and we can all enjoy it. And I think it's no coincidence that a lot of those shows are doing very well on streaming platforms, whether it's The Floor is Lava, whether it's Is It Cake, they, you can sit down with your kids as a family and watch it together. And I think we all just want to sit on the sofa together with our, our loved ones and, and enjoy something together. It isn't just, you know, the ne- we don't have to wait three months for the next Encanto or Disney smash hit release. And I think that unscripted TV formats can deliver that in volume. You know, you can enjoy 12 hours of, of, of Lego Masters or a, a family viewing format like that. And I think what we will see more of is other people tapping into that space, not just of uh, aiming at that audience, but also um, tapping into nostalgia and other uh, there've already been other shows which have been in that in that toy space. Um, we've got one that just launched in uh, in in the Netherlands called Domino uh, Domino Challenge that was up, is a show where families come together in a very colourful set and it, it taps into things that we're nostalgic about. We're nostalgic about dominoes. We're nostalgic about those domino runs. It's like a, a chain reaction show. So I think we'll see more of those co-family formats with a big, colourful, competitive arc that's driving the story the domino show i feel like would be so satisfying so they just build big long ones and then set it off and then that's, that's i'll let you into the secret what it also makes it great is things go wrong you know bits like lego when you drop it you sort of, and it's everyone's favorite moment in bake-off when they drop the cake and in like in lego when they do a smash of course in a in a, in a domino chain reaction show occasionally you can have spent hours getting it ready and one false move and it all goes tumbling so um we like a bit of jeopardy in there too. Yeah, I love that. Well, thank you so much for chatting. It's been really, really fun. So thank you. It's been a pleasure, Hannah. Well, you've made it to the end of the podcast. Well done. If you're interested in more Future of TV content, funny enough, we have a hub on the drum.com called The Future of TV. Please check in, subscribe to our newsletter, like, comment, subscribe, do it all. Goodbye. <laughs>